Well, with that wonderful introduction to our text, turning your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. Our text actually includes also a, a selection that occurred earlier in Messiah, selection 9. So we'll be thinking about all three verses, Isaiah 40, 9 through 11. This is the word of the Lord. Let us hear it as such. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Well, let's begin by thinking about uh, very specifically how this text is written. And I want some of you, one of you young people to tell me what kind of sentence our text started with. When I read, get you up to a high mountain, what kind of sentence is that? Is that declarative, interrogative, imperative, exclamatory? Imperative, thank you, Laurel. It's an imperative. It's a command. You always want to be careful when you're reading scripture to notice what kind of sentence it is. Don't confuse declarative with imperative. But please don't miss the imperatives, the commands. Because who's doing the commanding here? I think, Silas, who's doing the commanding here? God is doing the commanding here. When God gives a command, we better be listening. Specifically, this command is directed to, well, it seems a little unusual, doesn't it? He's commanding a city. Commanding Zion or Jerusalem. Zion is another name for Jerusalem. Of course, he's not commanding the buildings. (laughs) He's not commanding the streets of the city. No, he's commanding his people. His people here personified in the feminine. The imperatives are all in the feminine. Names of cities are feminine. He's personifying his people here. So he's speaking to you if you belong to him. If you're a member of the bride of Christ, if you belong to his kingdom, he's speaking to you. Are you listening? He's giving you a command. He's giving you an identity too, isn't he? You know, you don't need to create your own identity. 
I know the world tells you to do that. It's ridiculous. God has given you an identity in Jesus Christ, and he gives you something specific about that identity here in our text. You see how you're identified there in that first verse I read, verse 9? Herald of good news. Bringer of good news. This is the same, same kind of word structure that we see in the New Testament in the Greek word, which becomes the basis for our word, evangel, or evangelist. You are an evangelist. You are an evangel, a bearer of good news, a bearer of wonderful news, stupendous news. Well, first you're told to go somewhere, though, right? Follow the movement of this text. You're going to go up, you're going to go up, you're going to lift up. Don't you like that movement? Get you up to a high mountain. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Do not fear. You have a message that is worth proclaiming. It's worth shouting from the house from the housetops, from the mountaintops. You have a message from God that you can be proud of. You can know it's the truth. There are a lot of messages that people send out these days, aren't there? I mean, we're bombarded in the media with messages all the time. You can't get away from them. But most of them are very unreliable messages. Some of them are outright lies. But you have a message that is true. You can be guaranteed that when you give this message to someone, it is reliable steadfast. It will not change. It's a true message. So, so do all you can to convey that message. That's what's sort of being pictured here, isn't it? Be a herald of the good news. Again, he's authorized you to be his herald. This isn't just for some Christians. Okay, it's not that most Christians just sort of sit around, do nothing, and a few herald the good news. No, everyone should be here. If you're a member of Zion, if you're a member of Jerusalem, if you're a member of the church, you are authorized, commanded even by our text, to bear that good news. Don't think that you need to be theologically trained to introduce other people to Jesus. Don't, don't, think that, don't think you have to be a, a certain grade level. We see in Scripture God using all kinds of people to speak on his behalf. He used a donkey once. I always take comfort for that, from that. God can speak through a donkey. Maybe he can speak through my preaching. 
Jesus was pleased to have the little ones herald his coming into Jerusalem. You remember that? Little ones shouting Hosanna. The elite didn't like that. The smart ones, theologically trained ones. He told Jesus he should have the little children be silent. Remember what Jesus said? If they didn't speak, the rocks would cry out. God's message will be heralded, and if it takes a rock to herald it, he'll use a rock. If it takes a donkey, he'll use a donkey. If it takes a little child, he'll use a little child. If it, if it takes a reformed tax collector, a fisherman, a zealot, wanting to overthrow the Roman government, he'll speak through his instruments. He will herald the message with or without you. Okay, you won't thwart the plan of God, but you'll miss out. You'll miss out tragically because there is such a joy to heralding the good news that God has given to you in Jesus Christ, true Lord. And not only will it bring, bring joy to you, your Lord will be pleased with that. Don't you wanna, don't you wanna see a smile on the face of Jesus? He smiles in you when you introduce him to someone. I mean, we would consider it a great honor to introduce someone famous, someone powerful to someone else. Right? If you had a friend in an exalted place, wouldn't you feel honored, proud to introduce him? This is my friend. President so-and-so, or General so-and-so, or Celebrity so-and-so. <laughs> well, you've got an honor far above that. You're honored as a believer to introduce the God of the universe, the Savior of sinners, to your friends and neighbors. It will bring pleasure to God, it will bring joy to you, it will be in fulfillment of his command. Then what is said in Isaiah 52 can be said of you. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice, together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of Yahweh to Zion. That's the message that Zion, or Jerusalem, shouts from the mountain, the good news. So let's look at that message that we're given at the end of verse 9 there. Behold, look, your God. 
your God. I must pause briefly to say that before you can proclaim that message, you first must have heard it as addressed to you. Is it true that the triune God is your God? I'm not asking if you uh, come to worship regularly. God's people are to be faithful in gathering together for worship. That's true. It's a good thing. But physical presence in the church, where, where the church is meeting, does not make you a Christian. Someone has said that just as sitting in a garage doesn't make you a car, sitting in a pew on Sunday doesn't make you a believer. So I'm not asking that. I'm not asking if you come from a Christian home and have learned about God. If you've gone to Bible school, gone to seminary, knowing about God isn't enough. Scripture says the demons believe in God. Probably a lot more sincerely than most people. But they tremble knowing that hell is coming. So what I'm asking really is, do you have a personal relationship of faith and trust in God so that he is your God? So that when you introduce him to someone else, you're introducing a personal friend. Someone you're in relationship, your heavenly father, your Lord and Savior, your older brother, Jesus. Please remember, please remember that, that that's more than just saying a few words in a prayer one time. To be able to proclaim God as your God is much more than some passing action on your part, walking down an aisle or signing a card or praying a prayer. Do you see in this one, this God, to use the words of John Calvin, the sum total of all your happiness? That's what it means to have God as your God. He is everything to you. How could he not be if he is indeed your God? Does the presence of God in your life matter more to you than absolutely everything else? Do you prize God as he has revealed himself in Jesus Christ more than all the blessings that you have ever enjoyed? Would all that is good be worthless to you without him? Would you endure any suffering that he brought into your life so long as he was with you? Do you cling to him like Jacob clung to the divine messenger, agonizing in the pain of a dislocated hip, and yet saying, I will not let you go until I have your blessing, until I know that you are my God? Would heaven itself and all its glories 
not be enough for you if God was not with you. Is God your God? If that is not the case, you know what you need to do right here and right now. Stop listening to me and start dealing with God. Start speaking to him in prayer, repenting of the sin that you have clung to for so long that now it clings to you. Beg the Savior of sinners to save you, to count you as one of his own. Turn from any confidence in yourself to put your trust in God alone. Wrestle right now with God in prayer. Don't give up until you've honestly confessed that you're a sinner and hopeless without God's blessing. Swallow your pride and ask for help from someone else in this if necessary. But don't be satisfied with anything less and a complete closing with Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you've done that, or rather when God has done that in you, tell somebody else and become a herald. Now, if you're still with me, if you've made that profession of faith, Still listening to this command from God, notice the, notice the admonition not to fear. Scary being a herald sometimes. It's not easy, I know, to introduce people to the gospel. Fear not. Isaiah 41, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God will hold you up as you herald his good news. And I love this one from later on in Isaiah 41. Fear not, you worm Jacob. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like a worm. Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares Yahweh. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. You have a powerful Redeemer. Don't fear. Well, your message is really, behold your God. That's, that's the essence of the message. It's going to be worded differently as you present it to different people. But remember, that's the essence. You're not presenting yourself. You're not saying, behold me. Look what I've done. Now, if it's helpful for you to talk about what God has done for you, then by all means do that. But it's not in the final analysis about you, is it? It's It's about presenting God before others, heralding that good news. And so there's a content with that. Let's look at that content briefly in verse 10. Behold. Another attention-getting word there. Literally, the text there says, Behold, Lord Yahweh comes with his might. He uses the covenant name for God there, that that personal name that he gave to his people. It doesn't just describe an attribute, but it points to his divine essence, to his eternal being as a holy God. And that God 
covenant God, Yahweh, who has revealed himself to his people, is Lord. He is ruler. He comes with might. We might even translate that. He comes as a mighty one. His arm rules for him. The God that you herald is sovereign. There is not one Adam in the universe, to use the words of R.C. Sproul, that is outside God's control. The God you herald is sovereign. That should give you confidence. Because you know that sovereign God is also a holy God, and he is never going to do anything that does not bring him glory, that does not reflect his holiness. You herald a sovereign God. God who knows the end from the beginning, who knew you before you were born, knows where your life is headed, and has assured your eternal destiny. You herald a God who is sovereign. And we could go on and on about that, of course. We see it so many places in Scripture. But let's move on to verse 11. Because this God who is sovereign is a shepherd. Verse 11 literally reads, like a shepherd, his flock, he will shepherd. Now, of course, part of that includes feeding, but it's really far beyond that, isn't it? That this term translated tend in my translation, feed and some others, it's, it's much more broad than just throwing some food out in front of them. You're to read this as saying that God shepherds his flock with such care that all of their life he watches over them, he cares for them, he protects them, he provides for them. It's God who is sovereign, who is infinitely above you in his majesty, his holiness, and his power has come to be your shepherd to take care of you dumb sheep. (laughs) He will gather with his arm, that ruling arm that we saw in the previous verse, that arm that strikes down all of his enemies like a rod of iron would would strike and and shatter pottery, that arm that rules gathers his lambs. Don't you love that? He gathers his lambs. Some of you are are young in years. A couple of little lambs uh, earlier in the back of the sanctuary there. See some little lambs over here, some right here. 
The good shepherd gathers his lambs, carries them next to his heart. What a wonderful picture. You parents, you can, you can trust your children into the arm of, of their shepherd. And it doesn't matter how, how old they get. Keep, keep giving them into the arms of the shepherd. <clears throat> he gently leads those that are with young. Of course, in, in, uh, in the literal view here, uh, what's in, in view is the ewes with the little suckling lambs. And this shepherd leads them. The, the word for lead there is, is used in the context of leading them to rest. Okay, you can think of Psalm 23 and that imagery of, of the shepherd providing for his sheep and then leading them to a place of rest. Some of you have great responsibilities. Some of you times are weighed down by those responsibilities. Some of you, perhaps like me, sometimes feel so overwhelmed with the weight of being a father or a grandfather. Or maybe you have some other burden that you carry, some other hardship you're dealing with, some challenge that, that you're, you're coping with. Your shepherd leads you to a place of rest. He says, as Violet sang earlier, take my yoke upon you, put your burdens down. I'll take care of your burdens. You just take the yoke of obedience to me, and I guarantee that it is well fitted for you. It will feel comfortable on your shoulders, and it will enable you to accomplish the task before you. Your sovereign God is your shepherd. Just knowing that should be enough to make you want to herald him, don't you think? He has shepherded me so long. He has put up with so much from me, you couldn't begin to guess. He has forgiven me of such dark thoughts and sins. He has been patient when I've wandered so far from his will. He is a wonderful shepherd.
And you can be sure of that. You can have the utmost confidence that your shepherd will see you through to the very end because he's proven it to you, hasn't he? God, the Old Testament said, is a shepherd to his people. He says in Ezekiel, your earthly shepherds are worthless. Those priests, those pastors, those ministers, those preachers, they're just out for themselves. But I'm going to shepherd my people. I'm going to be the shepherd that they need. So God the Father sent God the Son. Because that's what it required. Can you imagine, those of you who are parents, have you ever tried to imagine I used to tell the kids in my Bible class when I was talking about this, I love you guys. I, I care about you. There's not a one of you I'd sacrifice my son for, any one of my sons. And I had four. I wouldn't be without a one. But God the Father had one son, and he sent him to be a shepherd of stubborn, rebellious, sinful people who would reject him. And so the son would come as the good shepherd, would identify himself as the good shepherd. Tell it right out. And be rejected. And the good shepherd would lay down his life for his sheep. Don't you think there's reason for you to know that your good shepherd will see you through to the end if he's done that for you? Paul says in Romans, if God has given us his son, if he's done that much for us, how will he not also give us everything we need to accomplish his purposes, to follow him, to be disciples of him? And how does he do that? Well, through his spirit. God the Spirit came into your dumb mind, your hard heart, your dead, deadness inside, and he made you alive. That's how, that's how you know and respond to the gospel, isn't it? It's not because you're so smart, so much smarter than other people, or so much better than other people. That's not why, why the Spirit worked in your life to bring you to faith. Simply because he loved you. And not for anything that you had to offer him. 
No, his is a gratuitous love, a lavish love. And so the Spirit has poured the love of God into your heart. You can be guaranteed, guaranteed he's going to see you through. Your Lord is sovereign. He is your shepherd. And you have the wonderful privilege of not only following him and obeying him and enjoying him, as wonderful as all that is, but also being his heralds. Again, God didn't need you to be his herald, right? But that's what he's chosen to do. He said, you'll be my witnesses. My gospel will go out through you. And what a wonderful thing that is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that that someone heralded the good news to us, that they pointed us to Scripture, that they spoke to us, that they sang something that touched our hearts, that they ministered to us in a very concrete and specific way to melt the hardness inside us and to make us your people, the flock of your pasture. How grateful we are for that, Lord. Help us not to take that for granted, but to rejoice in it every day. And Lord, help us to keep trusting in you as sovereign and as our shepherd. We don't know what the next day will bring. We, we don't know what will happen this week. Good things, bad things, but you know. And because you know and because you are a shepherd, we can face with confidence what lies before us. Give us that courage, Lord, that strength. Free us from the fear that would trip us up. Help us to live as your loving and obedient people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.